Hi guys, and welcome to the Prophetic People Conference podcast. We had a technical issue with the audio on this particular recording, but it comes right after about two to three minutes. So uh, bear with us and enjoy. <laughs> Just last night, we were, I said what we got much, much looser. <laughs> Surprise us at Holy. He's a man of the spirit, and he would always say, You must get so much looser. <laughs> As I said last night, you know, um, we are the upright of God, not the uptight of God. That went down well. It's going well this morning so far, isn't it? <laughs> Now this, um, it's just, I don't even know where I'm going in my Bible. I, you know, I just, I just think there are profound moments in our life and this weekend's been one of them. Certainly for Adam and myself and just to hear the testimonies that give glory to God and give glory to the reality of this book. Do you, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and to hear, Anita, that God knows every single detail. Every single detail about you, just like I taught in Psalm 139. What happens is these, these words become life. And that was always God's intention. And, and, and somehow, we, we started reading this book in a way that God never intended us to understand. It's actually a book of testimonies. And if you, if you notice how Adam and I ministered, we would, we would take some of the scripture and we would tell the story of our own life and our own experience around the Bible. Why? Because it's not a book that exists out there somewhere. It's actually a book of testimonies that says, I haven't changed and what I did for someone I can do for you. And so my encouragement for you is for all of those who've had experiences, encounters, and dreams, start a journal. Start a journal. Because the journal becomes the reality of your faith journey. And what's really important is that um, David remembered, but Israel forgot. See, the plan of the enemy is for you to keep moving on and forgetting the last thing that God did. But the last thing God did is the foundation to the next thing God's going to do. Are you here? So we are moving in a momentum, but what happens is we forget. And even, even I can get into a phase where you can move into one area of your giftedness, and so you can be, get into teacher mode, and so you're looking at the text in a particular way. Are you there? And we, can, and, and we need to do that. But then there's another way you stand back from the text and you read it a completely different way. Uh, are you there? And so all of a sudden, we see the diversity and the dimensions and the ebb and the flow of a scripture that is always speaking to our life situation. And let me explain it this way. Every word that Jesus spoke is eternally true. Every word that Jesus spoke is eternally true. What that means is he is speaking of heavenly realities and how they invade your world. They reveal the ways of God, the heart of God, the spiritual realities, the kingdom realm of God, that you are invited to live into a fallen world. Are you there? And so it's really important that we understand that the text, the scriptures, must be approached prayerfully and through the Holy Spirit. Remember what I told you across the week, if you were here, was that God's word and his breath are joined inseparably as one. Does everyone remember that? So for those who weren't here, let's, let's do the exercise again. Now I want you to speak your name to your hand and as you hear the sound of your name, you'll feel the breath that carries the word. Just speak your name into your hand. Now, is there breath and sound associated? Okay. In the same way, you cannot separate the spirit of God from the word of God. Hence, Jesus can say, 
My words are spirit and they are life. They come from a higher order into a lower order to lift us up into a higher order. A greater spiritual reality into a fallen spiritual reality. And sometimes we forget that we live in a fallen world. And when you live in a fallen world, you're going to have imperfect things going on around you. And guess what? You're going to have imperfect people around you. And who thought they were perfect? Now just put your hand up because you can pray for me. <laughs> See, what is perfection is means being completely full of God. See, we have this idea under religion that it means I perfectly keep the rules. Uh, 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 uh. God takes you out of rules and he brings you into a relationship. He takes you out of an old administration and brings you into a superior administration. He takes you from the external word, which was carved in stone, and he brings you in to the word that's written on your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is God himself dwelling in you to empower you to understand what he's saying to you, to take his faith and put it with your faith so that you can do the very thing that you thought was impossible. Are you there? Am I making sense? So I'm recapping and why is this so important? Because God is shifting the church into a place of maturity. You see, Paul explains that our spiritual immaturity is located in our fallen thinking and our fallen living called the flesh. Are you there? But God takes us from that and he says, I'm going to transform your life by the renewing of your mind, no longer holding to the boxes you've put the world in. Justin. Paul. You see, I explained to you the experience that I had under the power of the Holy Spirit. I was wanting the more of God, but I was locked up into a heart attitude of thinking and living that was limiting me coming into the very thing I desired. And I had to make a decision whether to live in the past or embrace the future. Are you there? Because I can live in what I presently understand or God can leave me into what I don't yet understand. And here's the difference. When he takes me on that journey from what I understand and he walks with me every step of the way, he takes me from what I know to what I don't yet know. That's called growing up. See, Paul puts it this way. He says, when I was a child, I behaved like a child. But when I became a man, mature, I put away childish things. Are you there? When you're little, you don't have a lot of understanding, but you have a lot of trust. Don't you? And then we grow up and we get all this understanding. Don't we? But here's the thing. You've been trained in a fallen world through fallen emotions and fallen reality. This world is less than the spiritual realities and the power of God's word into your life. And so when I come to Jesus, I keep thinking from the pattern of the world and how I grew up. And now I've got to leave my father's house to come into my true father's house. And the way God lives is not the way I once lived. Are you there? And that journey is called spiritual maturity. Are you there? And so what God will do through the revelation, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is he will challenge your present thinking by something that looks, we describe it like this, and Justin said it, well, I'm not picking on you this morning, Justin. But I believe you're going to be an example. I've prophesied over you so many times about your stature and your, your physical stature and who you are and like a father figure. And you understand how the body works and so many things work. But God's going to give you a revelation of how the kingdom works. And he's going to take you on a journey and he's going to take it carefully. And then there's going to come a time where he's going to invite you into a faith step that's going to change everything. And that's not far away. And it's good. 
it's not bad. It's going to be amazing. And you'll look back and what you once thought was weird is going to be your new normal. How do I know that? Because that's the journey I've been on. <laughs> when, I, when I first saw lots of stuff going on in the kingdom, I went, that is weird. Like, get out of town. Who, who gobbles like a turkey? For goodness sake. A turkey. Was it Christmas? What's going on? And the Lord taught me out of what offended me. You need to write that down. Because the Lord will teach you out of what is offending you. Oh my goodness me. That was a pearl right there. And that's how he works. He's, he's amazing. But he won't. He, you see, he is the God of all comfort because he takes you to a place that's uncomfortable. If you want to rest in your comfort, you can stay immature. But the journey of maturity is uncomfortable. Who's ever had a teenage experience when you're going, men in particular, from a boy to a man? Things start changing in your body. And it starts getting a bit weird. And you have hair in places that you never once had hair. Are you there? And your voice changes. And you're trying to transition from being a boy to a man. And you think you're all grown up because you can shave, but your heart can't follow your shaver. You know what I'm saying? And there's times where you want to be young and immature while also being grown up. It's called the teenage years. And, I'm, and, and I want to be, Dad, can you provide for me? But no, Dad, leave me alone. I need to do it by myself. <laughs> you, am I talking to anybody this morning? You see, the journey is, you know, it's, the, it's, it's a little bit clunky at times. And, but we're wanting this smooth, wonderful, linear transition, one step after the other, and it's all perfect, and look at me go, and that step follows, that step follows, that step. That's not how God works. Just I'm going to ruin the party right now. He doesn't take you in a straight line. Sometimes he takes you in circles. Just read the Bible. 14-day journey took him 40 years. Hello. What was the delay? The issues of the heart. Trusting God. They could have got there in 14 days. Sometimes the delay is not the enemy. It's not God. It's me. Because I'm not willing to come out of what is comfortable to the next step of faith, which is going to bring me into my future. Are you there? Let's have a look at a story that I've got for you. And this is a prophetic word for you as a church. Please go to Luke chapter 5. Write down your journey. Remember your journey. Remember your testimonies. Remember your testimonies. On one occasion, Jesus was preaching to the crowds on the shore of Lake Galilee. There was a vast multitude of people pushing to get close to Jesus, to hear the word of God. Do you know Jesus both had a crowd and he had disciples. Jesus loved both the crowd and the disciples. And the difference between being a member of the crowd and being a disciple was what you did with what you heard. And God, through Jesus, spoke in parables so that those listening would make an inquiry. And that which you inquire into, you get the revelation of. Passive Christianity has no place in the Bible. Are you there? Nothing that God does is passive. Everything that God does is intentional and purposeful. And we should be like God. Intentional and purposeful. Every word he speaks has an intention and a destination. It has something that he wants to accomplish. Now, God gives us free will. He loves us dearly. He loves us dearly. Please hear this. But the ability to mature is never through manipulation. 
See, this, the flesh will cause you to be driven. But everything we do by the Spirit is led. God leads us by the Spirit, but the flesh will drive us. And when the flesh drives us, we live in an old pattern of thinking by the, and trying to make things happen. You cannot accomplish anything that God wants to establish in your life by your flesh, by your drivenness. You must be led by the Holy Spirit, yielded and fully surrendered to the realities that the Holy Spirit is releasing to you, showing to you and and bringing you into. And hence, we can understand in a minute how we can move from being full of the Spirit, which you are, to living in the power of the Spirit, which you're coming into. Are you there? So Jesus climbed. Sorry, he noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge. With the fishermen nearby rinsing their nets, Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter and asked him, let me use your boat. Push it off a short distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowds. Jesus never stood in the boat. He sat down. There's metaphors in here and there's layers in here that I want to try and explain to you because it brings a revelation for you. Jesus sat down and taught. Why did Jesus sit down? Because he entered God's rest and he sat on earth where he was seated in heaven. It's a kingly authority when we sit down into a place of rest. The, the way you carry kingdom authority is from a place of rest, not striving in your flesh. Are you there? He sat down into his authority. You remember I told you the story last night about my uh, father-in-law, Joe, and, and, and the miracle healing. And you remember that part of the instruction for me was just to allow the glory of God just to flow out from me. And I said to you that immediately I used my faith and my imagination together and I saw myself as streams of living water flowing from me. But what I did to get to that place was I sat down into my authority. Does that make sense? I sat in my authority. Now you've got to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? You've got to know who's dwelling in you. And he who dwells in you is greater than he who's in the world. Therefore, as I dwell in that, as I sit in that, as I rest in that, as I sit down into that reality, I can open up the spiritual atmosphere that can flow by me. And I use my imagination and my faith together. See, we've been crushed in using our imagination. Now, there is a sanctified imagination and there's a fleshy imagination. And when I teach in the supernatural schools, I explain to people how you, your imagination is powerful because I can get you to imagine you getting up, leaving here, going out, getting in your car and going home while you're still sitting in your seat. And in fact, as I said that, my words created an environment for your imagination to respond to and you started to get up out of your seat. It's how it works. See, God's word comes to you and releases another realm which engages into your spirit and now things start to open up. But the Holy Spirit comes and sanctifies your imagination. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One interpretation is renew your imagination. Because that's where God shows you stuff and you start to visualize it. You start to see it and it starts to become reality in you. And what becomes reality in you will be manifested through you. So God's word shapes a world in you so it can shape the world through you. Is anyone here this morning? Is this too deep? I'm in the shallow and see Jesus is in the shallows here. He's just in the shallow. I haven't even gone deep yet. Are you there? Because he's in the shallows teaching. Was Jesus ever concerned that the people didn't get what he was talking about? I don't know about your pastoral care. He couldn't care less. I got shocked with that. You see, God provides an invitation. The response is up to you. 
God always provides an invitation, but the response is up to you. And you see, what happens is because the word is spirit, it activates your spirit. And something in you says, oh, I want to know more about that. But there's a grid problem because your old mind goes, oh, I don't understand that. Now you get a choice. Do you want to live in what you don't understand or what you could understand? You see, that's the difference between stepping into revelation or staying where you are. Does that make sense? This is what he says. Let me use your boat, push it off a short distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowds. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished, he said to Peter, now row out to the deep water. Now we're going deep. You see, if you, if you notice the way Adam and I minister, I lay a teaching foundation and then he comes in with a demonstration of the very thing I taught. What are we showing you? That the Word of God is not just words on a page. It's spirit and it's life and it's real. And, the, and, and faith comes by the hearing of the present Word of God, the revelatory realm of God. And then the truths start to unfold. And then you start to realise that Psalm 139 is not just David's revelation, it's the truth of how God works. It's actually the revelation of God's ways towards you. He's for you, He's not against you. He goes before you and He speaks future present to bring you into that reality. And he comes from behind in his loving kindness and he protects you from all the work of the enemy that wants to trade on your past as he's bringing you into the future. You see, your decision making doesn't operate in a vacuum. We need to understand this. We live in a spiritual world of unseen spiritual powers that try to influence us every day. It's called the fallen world, which is ruled by the prince of the air, Satan. Now, does the world belong to God? Yes. Who has God put on the earth to reestablish the territory that belongs to God? Us, the church. And so every time we come in agreement with the enemy, the influence of the enemy, we come out of our authority and give him authority. Are you there? So one Enoch, I said one Enoch in church. I can't believe I said Enoch in church. Everyone gets wigged out about Enoch. But Enoch is a foundational book that everyone in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and the apostles well understood. Here's the reality. One Enoch says that there are dismembered spirits who oppose the sons of God. That's you and I. There is a spiritual realm, low level, that are ruled over by principalities and powers and thrones, higher level. The lower level demons, spirit forces, come against you to influence you to move against the word of God and, and, and put spiritual influence onto certain desires. Have you ever been in a situation where all of a sudden you get this random thought and it's not a good thought? Or you have this random desire, but you know it's not a righteous desire. You've ever had that? And you go, well, that's just my flesh. No, it's not. It's the spiritual realm around you trading on your flesh that's not yet yielded to the Holy Spirit. Are you there? You need to understand this. So that when you come to make a decision, you're going to make a decision that's wrestling with some things. You're wrestling with your old thinking and you're wrestling with a spirit world that wants to come against you and lock you up into your old thinking. You know why? Because those spirits don't like you. Their whole goal is to take you out. Satan comes to rob, kill and destroy. He is not your friend ever. There's a classic situation when God sends a redeemer called Samson to a people, his people. Now they're under the rule of the nations. Israel was ne never meant to be under the rule of the nations. So he sends them a redeemer, Samson. And Samson tries to bring them out of what they're under 
But you know what they do? They make a deal with what they're under because it was more comfortable to stay under an illegal authority than get the Redeemer to bring them into true authority. It's in the Bible. Nothing's changed, guys and girls. Nothing's changed. There's nothing new under the sun. And somehow we read the New Testament and we go, oh, the spiritual conflict's finished. No, it's not. It's hotting up. So when you get to step into a decision that's for your future and God's leading you and all the angels are moving towards you, waiting for your free will decision, you've got to overcome. Rick Joyner's got a book it's called The Path. It's a vision he went into the Lord and there were a whole lot of people that were on a church called a pleasure cruise. There's no pleasure cruise Christianity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because when we live on the pleasure cruise Christianity boat, we miss what I'm about to talk about. You see the metaphor of a boat means the church. Often we see the, the, the disciples in a boat together. We see the boat become a metaphor for the church. And so there's a lesson and a revelation for us to learn. He's teaching from a boat. He's teaching into the life of the future reality of the church. These are eternal words that remain eternally true. Now row out to the deep water to cast your nets and you will have a great catch. Now that sounds like a great promise, doesn't it? I'll try this side. Does that sound like a great promise? Now who's wanting breakthrough? Oh, there's five of you. That's great. Who's wanting increase? Oh, there's a bit more now. Who's wanting more revelation and more understanding? You see, a great catch of fish speaks at many levels. We look at these disciples and we forget there were businessmen. Who's a businessman here? This story relates to you. Somehow we've separated God's promise just to the church on a Sunday and forgotten that God wants to move in every area of our life because he wants to show himself true in every sphere of society. God's not afraid of money. We are. How do I know that? You see, you want an increase of wealth, but you don't know how to steward it. Oh, my goodness. Because when I talk about money, the air gets sucked out of the room. Because we're scared of money. We have fear around money. God has no fear around money. He talks about money more than anything else. We don't. Don't talk about the money in the church. What do you want my money for? I don't want your money. God gives me my money because I trust him and I learn the principles of sowing and reaping. Why? Because every time I take a step of faith, of generosity to look like my father in heaven, who's more generous than I can ever be, I want to emulate him. You know what happens? When I step into his heart, I find generosity easy. Why? Because I am the righteousness of God. I'm not just declared righteous. I'm going to live righteous. And I'm going to live righteous. And when I live righteously and steward my wealth, you know what happens? I bring the governmental realm of kingdom and I smash the spirit of mammon. Because the spirit of mammon keeps me locked up in fear, loss, and lack. And if I'm fearing money, you know what? I've come under an illegal power in my life. You see, I'm not going to agree with the enemy. And he trades through fear. Are you there? And trading through fear, what does fear do? It robs my faith. And fear comes up through my, through my soul, through my flesh, through my fallen wrong thinking. But faith comes from the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm dwelling in. And he's showing me superior realities. And he says, oh, You see, every promise is already yes. I'm not earning anything, but I give my amen to it. (laughs) So when I sow, I'm giving my amen to the increase I already know is going to come. 
Why? Because God is a God of increase, not decrease. Am I helping anyone this morning? Gary, can I have a drink? Water, please. Or does something, somebody needs something a little harder this morning. Now it's good, you see, when the Holy Spirit's moving, I feel free to make faith decisions. That's what happens. See, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. What is that? It means I don't live under the curse of the law. It means I don't live under the curse of the land. It, does, it means I don't live under Satan. I live above him. I don't live under anything except God, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I live under his authority, which is a superior authority than any other authority. And when I live under his authority, his authority works through me. If I live apart from his authority, I'm living by my own authority and I'm in rebellion. Thank you. Master replied, Peter, we've just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. How many of you have had the present word of the Lord into your situation and he asks you to do something you've been doing all the while? Does that sound familiar? What's the difference here? You see, you can do things that you're normally used to doing apart from God and have no increase. That's called immaturity. Or you can do things led by the present word of God and the Holy Spirit and the very thing you were doing before that wasn't yielding an outcome all of a sudden now brings you into increase. Are you there? Oh, I'm not talking to anybody this morning. I'm giving you a key because what's happened this weekend is that very shift. God's spoken to you in the shallows of the water and now He's saying, hey, Lifehouse, Put your boat out into deeper waters. Hey, yeah, but we've been doing it. It's been by the sweat of the brow. We haven't seen the breakthrough. He says, yeah, no, but by my voice, it'll happen. By the sound of my voice, it will happen. And you remember I told you the story that when I had to, when the Lord said, rebuke death concerning my father-in-law, I had no faith. I was tired. I was worn out. I was emotional. I didn't understand. I mean, come on, Lord, we've been going on this journey. I've prayed before he gets better. He doesn't get healed. I've prayed before he gets better. He doesn't get healed. I knew the power of the testimony, but I forgot the power of the testimony. Am I talking to anybody this morning? You're yelling me down when I'm preaching good. You see, I can stay there or I can have a mustard seed faith experience and go, but Lord, by the sound of your word. And you remember what I told you last night, the moment I started to take that word and put it in my mouth. And I, although it started feeble, although it didn't start very strong, the moment I gave agreement to it, the moment I joined with it, the power of God came to me to fulfill the prayer. Was I doing it by myself? No, because my flesh said, I'm done. But my spirit said, listen to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, you know the story. We saw a miracle. We saw a miracle. See, I had a choice. I had a choice to stay where I was and see the past. See my disappointments. See how I felt. Or to embrace the word and let it do its work in me. Are you hearing me? This is a good word. I promise you. You're going to see more increase. If you understand the ways of God. This is what he says. But if you insist. Oh, I love that. You see, he was commanding his flesh. See, what happens is that, that you can command your flesh into submission. 
You can't be a king in the world under Jesus unless you learn to be the king of your life under Jesus. You first of all have to be able to command your flesh in the same way you will drive out demons. It's the same thinking. Now, your flesh has been learnt a paradigm and it's open to another spiritual influence. But your flesh is also open to the superior influence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Are you there? Am I making sense? So Paul says this flesh and the spirit are at odds with each other. And there's a wrestle. He said, but as you freely yield to the Holy Spirit, you will soar above. What it means is that you will be able to bring that part of your wrong thinking and your present situation and bring it under the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, but because you insist. See, so that was a faith response. If you insist. And what did he do? He took the boat back out and did the same thing he'd been doing all day without success. What was the difference? One was acting in the flesh and one was acting by the present word of God. I'm prophesying to you. I'm prophesying to you. Because God is taking you out of where you've been to taking in where he wants to take you. But you can't get there. You might be full of the Spirit, but you're not yet living by the power of the Spirit. You've got to insist God's Word is the true reality of your life. You've got to insist. You've got to insist. Are you there? Passive Christianity will get taken out. But intentional, focused, clear-minded... Christianity, knowing the realms that you're living in, knowing what's superior and what's inferior, understanding that you're made for something way, way more than you're living in, accelerates you through the power of the Holy Spirit who will lead you into maturity. But you need to join with it. What time do we finish, Gary? Because I could go till 2.30. Now watch this. But if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your present word. Are you getting the picture? So powerful, isn't it? Remember, this is a testimony of an eternal truth. When they pulled up their nets, they were shocked. Get ready. I'm prophesying. Seven... Now, didn't I tell you last night? Get ready. Are you actually ready for the increase that's coming? Oh, okay. You know, if someone told me I was going to have an increase, like Adam, you remember the story about Adam? Somebody, he already knew he was going to get a car before he got a car. And when he picked up the car, he was very nonchalant. And the guy said, you know, aren't you excited? No, I was excited three days ago when the Lord told me. Jesus said that food is good, but I live by a greater reality. And I live by every present word of God. Now, here's the thing, that when you live by every present word of God, you've got to allow it to form something in you. And remember what I said earlier, when you bring your imagination to it, when you bring all of who you are to it, you'll bring your emotion to it. And Jesus says, if you believe that you've already received the thing you're asking for, it will be established. See, we've got to pray differently. We're praying in hope. That's not a prayer of faith. Faith is the hope of future things not seen, but it's the conviction of the things that aren't seen. The conviction means I know it's real before I even see it because the reality I live by is a greater reality of the spiritual realities into the lesser realities. And I shape the lesser realities by the spiritual realities through the present Word of God. Oh, my goodness. See what's happening. Do you feel the shift in your thinking? Anyone? 
I said shift. So they pulled down their nets and they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish. Now, this has layers. Fish speaks of revelation. God's about to bring you in to a journey of increased revelation. Why? Because increased revelation brings increased understanding, brings mustard seed faith into greater reality. Are you there? The next thing is what fish meant to these businessmen. They were in the business of fish. Guess what's going to happen? God's going to start releasing business strategy for wealth increase in this house. Through the revelation of God, God's going to start to bring you increase. That is going to break through the ceiling of the spirit of mammon that sits over this city that locks you out of a destiny God's called you into. Many, many years ago, I was studying Deuteronomy 8. And uh, if you're a businessman, go to, go to Deuteronomy 8. It's a wonderful text. And as I was meditating on the word, the Lord's words just resonated me. He says, I humbled you these 40 years in the desert for a reason. That you'd stop trusting in yourself and you'd start trusting in me. Are you there? Are you there? He says, when you settle down in your fancy homes and wealth is around you, I'm paraphrasing, do not forget the Lord your God who gave you the ability to create wealth. Wealth is not I've got enough to pay my bills. Wealth is overflowing towards others in generosity. And the more I sow, the more I attract. You see, a wealth creation strategy is to step into the ways of God so that there's no lack. And people have been destined to create wealth, but they've been doing it by the sweat of the brow instead of entering God's rest and the present word of God into your situation. Come on. You see, I told you last night that Cornelius' stewardship of giving to the poor came up to God as a memorial. God watches your words and he watches your finances. Now, For God, finance is not a problem. Wealth's not a problem. It's part of the Abrahamic covenant. Not a big deal for God. But he wants to use it for a greater purpose. And he wants to bring you into a greater purpose. And so what happens is, God says, I give seed to the sower. Oh! And bread to the eater. Now, some of you guys are trying to eat your seed. Now, I said last night, did I not say last night, who, for goodness sake, gets an apple, which is the fruit, which is the bread for eating, and goes to the seed and eats the seed? Have you tasted the seed of an apple? It's bitter. But the fruit is sweet. So how do you increase a harvest? You eat all the fruit. You eat all the seed. You know, I was in India and they're all farmers. And when the white Aussie guy comes in, there's an expectation that they will receive from me. That I will fund the crusade, that I will pay everything, I ship the pastors in, I feed them, I cover them. And they have this entitlement mentality, with all due respect, because I'm white and they're not. And because they're poor and I'm perceived as rich, they say, well, you need to provide for me. So I sat them down one day and I said, 
How many of you go and steal your, your neighbor's harvest? Well, they disagreed with that vehemently. They said, that's just wrong. I said, yeah. So why are you stealing my harvest? It shocked them. And sometimes you know, I just got to shock some people to say, you just got to understand the spiritual realities. I'm coming to you to sow a seed for the harvest of the kingdom. But what is it that you don't sow a seed so that you can get a harvest? You want my seed. You want to come and steal my crop as your seed. And you want to reap where you haven't sown. Now, tell me, is that fair? But we practice it. Are you there? We practice it. Because we say, I'm too poor to put a seed in the ground while I keep praying for a massive harvest. I'm loving you this morning. I'm telling you how to come into increase. Are you there? I'm telling you how to come into increase. So when you get the revelation of how this works, you know how to use your wealth as seed for increase. And God gives even even more seed for even more sowing. But you'll never, ever go without with the provision of what you can eat. See, Jesus said... Seek first the kingdom and I'll give you. I got you covered on what you need. Seek my ways, do it my way and watch. You will not be able to contain the blessing. That's under the old covenant. Under that Italian guy, Malachi. And that scripture has been preached so badly. So badly that we don't know how to deal with it. God's saying, you don't know my heart. I'm generous. I'm generous beyond your pattern of thinking. But if you follow my ways, watch what I do. Oh, my goodness. Who's getting a revelation this morning? They had so much fish that their nets were ready to burst. Are you ready for the increase? They waved to their business partners. Oh, business partners. Business partners. It's in the Bible. In the other boat for help. Oh, my goodness. Do you, do you see what's going on here? The catch was so big, you had to bring others into the reality of your increase to help you steward it. Is anybody listening this morning? And you might think these are mere words, and I know I'm smashing, smashing, smashing some sacred cows because I'm not a Helsinki negotiator. I don't negotiate with the enemy. I drive him out. As I well, as Paul said, He used that word. I didn't know if it was lawful or not. But, you know, we are too kind to Satan and too ugly to humans. Are you there? I'm to love my neighbor, but to drive out demons. I don't negotiate with hell. It's an illegal power and it gives me illegal thoughts that cannot produce the very thing God's words inviting me into. But I get to choose who I agree with. And who you agree with is what you empower. And what you empower bears its fruit. That's a spiritual law. They waved their business partners in the other boat for help. They ended up completely filling both boats with fish. Now here's the third level. Salvations are coming. Increase is coming. People are coming. Are you ready for the increase that the glory brings? Are you ready for the increase? Now, you know, when you're pregnant and you're expecting a child, what do you do? You make a lot of fuss in your house to prepare a room for the child. You haven't had the child yet, but you're pregnant with the child, but you know the child's coming. You're not thinking 
that the child's not going to come. And you're making preparation. It's called faith. You see, how are you building a community that can hold the increase of new believers coming in? Are you building a community together, not one man, together that can bring a people to maturity? Are you ready to disciple the nations? Are you ready? And if you're not ready, can I tell you, you need to start preparing a room in your heart for what that looks like. Saying, God, I trust you at your word. I'm going to hold the word before you. I'm going to do warfare with the word. And I'm going to start to prepare for the reality that I know is true in my heart right now. Because I'm pregnant with the promise of that which is yet to come. See, what's been happening is the spirit has been trying to abort the promise God has been trying to deliver. And you've got to guard the promise. You've got to protect the promise. And you can't allow the enemy to come in and get you off track. You've got to get before God and walk by the Spirit and start thanking Him for that which is not yet. How do I know that? Because when Jesus demonstrated the miracle of provision and increase to the 5,000 and the 4,000, He had to do it twice. Because they didn't get it the first time. And they didn't get it the second time because there's a veil over our heart how God brings increase. Because we still think worldly, not kingdom. We don't think spiritual realities, we still think worldly. And we think, well, God cannot do anything more than what my labor can get. When man fell, came out of the rest of God... In Genesis, he came into a cursed world and now he had to work by the sweat of his brow. And we are so used to working by the sweat of the brow, we think that's normal. It's not God's normal. It's the fallen world's normal. So Jesus has to bring his disciples into an invitation. So now they've got a boat scene going on again. Jesus has been teaching And they're going to sneak off to the green room around the corner. It's biblical. You see, he went to a place to retreat after he'd been ministering. It's the first picture of the green room in the Bible. Not being snobby, just being real. And so he goes around the corner, but the people, whoa, no way. This guy's got revelation we've never heard. They follow him around. That's hunger. You know what faith hunger is? I want to be where Jesus is moving. Faith hunger is, I want to be where the Spirit is moving. I want to be where the present Word of God is speaking. I want to be there. I've got to be there. Was it inconvenient for them to run while they were going around to the green room? Absolutely. But were they hungry? Absolutely. Did they have understanding? No. They just knew something was going off. They just knew. Whoa, I don't understand. But whoa, something's going off inside of me. I've got to be there. Why do you got to be there? I don't know. You see, that's what heaven does to you. It says, I don't know, but I've got to be there. Are you there? Now, when Jesus saw the crowd, what did he say? He didn't do what he does to the devil. He didn't say, go away. (laughs) So we've got to get this right, guys. You don't say, go away, where there's a present opportunity. You embrace the opportunity. But if you don't know who you're dealing with, you're going to tell God's people to go away when you should be telling the devil to go away. Are you there? So he doesn't tell them to go away. He says, hey, guys, what are you going to do? And you know what they say? They say, just send them away. Just send them away, Lord. We're in the green room. Just send them away. He says, no, I've got compassion. Oh, you've got to see this. You think the father doesn't see your situation? He's got compassion. You think he doesn't see the lack? He's got compassion. He's just looking for a people that will step into the opportunity. So he invites the apostles into the opportunity. He says, what are you going to do? You see, we think someone else is going to do it. We've got someone else in our church. He died recently. Now nobody does anything. (laughs) 
In every church, you have someone else, somebody, and nobody. But in our church, we put someone else to death. Because the Lord's asking me, what are you going to do? See, we're so used to somebody else doing it for us. Jesus says, what are you going to do? I'm not sending them away. So they go, oh, I better think that through now. We got the money, but the pizza hut, it's a long way away, Jesus. By the time we get there and we get back, I don't know. It's going to be really late in the day. It's inconvenient. What thought are they thinking? What thought are they thinking? Ordinary, fallen thinking. This is how we always do it. I get something when I pay for something. Huh? So I've got the money. Where do I got to go and get it? Because that's how the world of mammon works. Are you there? So what does Jesus say? Okay, what do we have? Now, what they had was not a lot. It was no way that five loaves and two fish were going to feed 5,000 people. Now, the way they measured it, it's probably more like 12,000. That's a lot of people. Picture that. 12,000 people sitting around. And you run up and you give me your lunch. You go, there you go. Feed them all. Now, that looks impossible, doesn't it? But what's bigger than the situation is the promise. How did Jesus know he was about to step into the promise? Because he had compassion. See, the Spirit led him to a reality that God wanted to release. Are you there? Three times a day, these disciples that were looking for Subway were praying the Amida. Lord, you're my provider. Lord, you're my provider. See, they were praying one way and living another. Your prayers and your life must marry up. Are you there? Your prayers and your life must marry up. So he says, I'll take it. Now, does he ask for anything? Does he ask for anything? No. What does he do? He prays the Amida. He gives thanks. Why? Because he already knows it's established in heaven. His thanksgiving, which is an expression of his faith to what is already available... He knows that which he sees as substance in the promise is going to manifest on earth. And he says, right, come into the miracle. And he starts to distribute the bread. Did he wait for the provision before he acted in faith for the distribution? Are you hearing me? Because he knew what the Father was already going to do. He knew that God was faithful. He knew that God had compassion on the people. And he knew that God was going to move. He was operating prophetically. Are you there? From the substance and the reality of the promise that he knew the Father wanted to perform. When you get to that place, you can act upon it. Are you there? Are you, are you learning anything this morning? And so when he handed out the provision, what happened? Everyone was fed. And the pieces that they gathered later far exceeded that which was sown. Are you hearing me? Twelve basketfuls. What does twelve mean? The government of heaven broke the spirit of of mammon, fear, loss, and lack. What did it take? A man of faith, knowing the promise, knowing the heart and the intention of God and releasing the opportunity for the amen to be established. Every promise is in already established in Jesus Christ. It's already waiting, waiting for us to put a seed of faith to sow in to the greater reality that's coming. Are you there? Am I making sense? And that way we reveal our righteousness before man. Because everything Jesus did was out of an intimate relationship with the Father. 
See, when you stand at a distance and you live by principles, this doesn't make sense. But when you step into the relationship and live empowered by the present reality of the Holy Spirit leading you in your life, God's faith and God's word come together in your life and give you faith to act beyond what you previously understood. Does that make sense? God is bringing you into increase. And what has been held up, Satan's going to have to pay for. We can't do it in our immaturity. We do it in our maturity. And we show ourselves to be mature sons because this is what the Bible says. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the huios, mature sons of God. God is taking you out of the flesh and into the Spirit. And that has already begun. This weekend was a down deposit for what you now get to steward. Amen? Am I making sense to anybody this morning? I want to pray for you. Just stand up. All, just stand up the businessmen. Just the businessmen to start with. Or businesswomen. Now, I want to ask you a question. Don't tell me what God was saying. But as I was speaking, was God speaking to your heart? Shoot your hand up if that's true. Okay, we've got an agreement. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the spirit of revelation, wisdom, and understanding. I thank you for the wisdom and the increase that you're about to pour out. I thank you that they are not just to declare the righteousness of God, they live in the righteousness of God, that they show themselves in this hour to move by the Holy Spirit as the sons of God. Father, I thank you for the increase that is coming, the sevenfold increase of God to confirm this word that there is breakthrough where there's been no breakthrough where they've been laboring by the sweat of the brow as they turn to you and be led by the spirit increase upon increase upon increase in Jesus name amen okay now everyone stand up everyone stand up Now, do you understand the power of your words to speak towards your promise? Who, who believes that this is a word for them? So we've got agreement in the house. Okay. Now, this is what I want you to do. If you can pray in the Spirit, I just want you to pray in the Spirit for a moment. And then I want you to declare your future increase. Even as I've said it, you agree with it that it may be established. Amen? We, are these are spiritual laws. Just pray in the Holy Spirit, if you can. If you can't pray in the Holy Spirit, that's fine. Just start thanking God. Because we're going to drive out darkness from this place. We're going to drive... I'm not a Helsinki negotiator. Hell's got to go. And the glory's going to come. We're going to drive out. The glory gives us the ability to be as one together, to become powerful and drive out all darkness and dismantle those things that have been over our lives. Enough is enough. God says it's finished. It's finished. You're in a new season and my river is flowing. But it's not just for you because the river gets deeper the further away it is from the temple. This is to go out from this house and into this city and into this nation. Now just start to declare the increase over your life. According to the measure of your faith, just start to declare the breakthrough and the increase. Come on, so all the hell can hear. Because your words are powerful in the spirit realm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree with what you have destined over this church. We bring our agreement to that so that that which is already yes in heaven will be established on earth. And Lord, where things have been held up, we ask now that you would send your angels concerning the power of your word, that you would unlock it, that you would release it, and that you would cause us to move in the power of your spirit. Heavenly Father, we just thank you 
for an increase of your presence in our life. Now just yield to the Holy Spirit. Just yield to Jesus. This is not about a man. This is not about, this is about Jesus. It's about His government. And it's about His reality that is greater than our realities. And if you need to be filled up for fresh, just say, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up this morning. Fill me up this morning, Lord. Fill me up this morning. I want your heart to be my heart. I want your ways to be my ways. I want your words to be my words. For your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are higher than my ways. And Lord, with the power of your word in my mouth as I walk in the Holy Spirit, not in the flesh, not in my own effort, but by faith, trusting you that you are faithful. By every present word, I declare and speak in to the future, the increase, the revelation. Lord, I thank you for restored relationships. I thank you, Father, for conversions. I thank you for salvations. I thank you, Father, for the increase of this house. I thank you, Father. I thank you for what you're attracting to this house because you are building it. You are building it. You are building it. You are building it. And I am part of this house. Lord, I pray for unity. I pray for unity, oneness in heart, mind and vision to be established even today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's worship Him.